Welcome to Hedgehog Watchdog. I'm your host, Devin Saxon, joined always by Greg Baldwin. We're the meme team behind Libertarian Party of South Dakota, South Dakota's against prohibition. Today's episode is brought to you by pinkcoin.com. Our guests today are Robert Earl and Kayla Grasshorn. They are homeschooling parents, and the subject today is homeschooling in South Dakota. I'm going to let Greg take it away with the first round of questions. Yeah, so this was just a topic that I was interested in. I don't know a ton about it. I'm a, Unfortunately, I'm a product of uh, public education, and my, my kid went to public school as well. And I've probably only known a handful of families, honestly, that have, have done it throughout the years. So I, I was interested to have this conversation and learn more about it, and I'm sure there's other people that are interested in this subject. Uh, we'll start with Kayla. Um, uh, what made you want to start homeschooling? Yeah, so we've only been homeschooling for a year. Um, my oldest daughter is 13, and she's wanted me to homeschool her for a long time. She never really liked the school environment. She didn't, she couldn't learn well in a really crowded and loud environment. But I never thought I could do it. I was like, I don't know nothing about homeschooling. Like, that is way out of my ballgame. So when COVID happened and our school shut down, you know, I kind of got forced into, like, learning how to do some of that stuff. And I had a lot of friends at homeschool and um, was kind of learning by watching them. And so I just kind of spent the whole summer last summer teaching myself all kinds of stuff and there was there's so many curriculums out there there's so many different options um sometimes in bigger cities you'll get um like homeschool co-ops i know a gal in sioux falls who um, her daughter goes to a very small co-op type school which is cool um but so when um we kind of learned a lot about it i kind of was thinking about just homeschooling my oldest and then when school board meetings started happening before school and they were adding a lot of restrictions and masks and things like that. I just, I wasn't comfortable sending my kids, either of them to that environment. It was kind of just not my cup of tea. I wasn't cool with like sending my kids to that and making them wear a mask all day and that kind of thing. And so I decided to keep both of them home and homeschool both of them and we love it and we're going to continue to do it. So it worked out really good and kind of thankful it happened that way because it's important, I think, to to know what your kids are learning about, and you know, by going through curriculums and, and working with them this last year, I really learned a lot of their strengths and their weaknesses, and I learned things that they were really interested in that they weren't getting to learn about, and things that they really didn't like that I didn't think were necessary for their education. So, I don't know. I've learned a lot. I think I might have learned more than them this last year, just yeah. about everything. But it's we we tried like four different curriculums before we found one that worked for us. So. It's been a lot of trial and error, but we got a good plan going forward, so that's cool. Robert, what about you? What made you, or, well, Kayla, how long have you been doing it? Again, just one school year, year, just one full school year. And then, Robert, uh, we'll let you tell us why you got interested and then uh, how long you've been doing it. And then maybe uh, the ages of your children that you're teaching. Uh, Kayla, you said 13. What was your uh, yeah, they one? just turned 12 and 13. So I have a, a, there'll be a sixth and seventh grader this year. I imagine that's a little easier than teaching yeah, real, real young children. It is, <laughs> but it, I was also very surprised at like kind of where their learning levels were. 
on certain subjects. And, and my youngest daughter has always been a little bit delayed with her um, speech and her hearing. So um, language arts, which is one of our required subjects for South Dakota, um, she's always been on an IEP. She's always had a lot of help in that subject. And so I thought she would, I don't know, she was kind of touch and go at first, but she, that was probably the subjects she excelled the most in at home, which was really cool to watch because she like jumped a whole grade level this year. That's good. That's good. Robert, what about you? Um, I guess, so we had planned on doing homeschooling before COVID had even hit. And obviously when that hit, it kind of just gave us even more of a reason to want to do it. Obviously, as Kayla had touched on, you know, uh, the environment was not something you really want to have a lot of kids around, like trying to force them to wear masks and stuff like that all day. And, you know, my daughter actually didn't have a problem with masks, but I know a lot of kids did. And uh, I just didn't want to deal with all that. And I know when I was growing up, I had a lot of issues myself with like the public school and just like I got in a lot of trouble. I didn't. I never really felt like I was challenged enough, you know, and I started noticing as my daughter has been growing up, she's in kindergarten, by the way. So this was her first year of school, um, which I found to be relatively easy and more of a refresher course for the stuff that I had learned in kindergarten. But um, actually, I, I just started seeing some of the tendencies within the way that she learns and she really needs to be challenged because when we first started off, we... We were doing more than the requirements of what South Dakota actually asks for, which is was pretty lax even before the homeschool bill went in this year compared to other states. Yeah. But um, we wanted to do more than just the basic because it was just they wanted an equivalent amount of language arts and math instruction is what the state said. And I felt like there was other things that we could be teaching her as well. Um, I think that it went pretty well for the first year as well. So um, overall, it's a interesting situation uh it was a lot of a big learning curve at first just kind of like like kayla had said finding the right curriculum we started off with these books that were like 180 days of like reading and stuff like that and because the kindergarten stuff was pretty basic and then a lot of that she was just flying through the work way way quick and it was like well this is not enough so we started getting a diff few different books towards the second half of the year and uh yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the next year as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of uh, regulations are there for homeschooling? Are there any in South Dakota? Is there stuff you got to do to like apply to homeschool or how's that work? Yeah, so the, the state law is that um, you have to first um, fill out an intent to homeschool form. So you basically exempt out of public school. So you'll go to your school district, fill out that form. It's super easy. Um, they ask for, I think, um, a form of identification, like birth certificate or, or something along those lines. Um, and then once you do that form, they'll send you like a letter back. I think this year it took quite a while to get it back. because There's a lot of kids doing different programs. Um, and then you have to, you're required to teach um, language arts and math equivalent to public school. So that's usually like nine months, 180 lessons. Um, and you need to keep records. Um, the, the Secretary of Education can um, uh, request those records um, mm -hmm. to make sure you're in compliance. I never heard anything from the Department of Education or anything like this, that this year, <laughs> but I just basically like had a calendar and every day that we did school, I wrote like how many hours, what subjects we did, and then all of our books, I just 
throw them in a tote and plan to keep them kind of like you do your taxes. You know, you just hold on to everything for a while so that you have those yeah. records. But it's really um, a lot less work to do it on that that those aspects than than I thought. And kind of like what he was, um, Robert was saying, you know, language arts and math are the required subjects in South Dakota. I don't know any homeschoolers that only teach those subjects. I mean, those are what's required of you, but we touched on any subject that my kids were interested in. But, you know, we, um, we kind of did like a, a set curriculum for those two required subjects. And the rest of it, we kind of did what people call is like unschooling, where I just kind of let them take the lead on what they wanted to learn about. So that was fun. We got to do a lot of fun stuff because it was stuff they wanted to do. Uh, what, are, what are some of the other subjects besides uh, language, arts, and math that you've been studying? Sure. So we did, um, for science this year, we did um, all experiments. So I would let my kids find things that they wanted to do. So like when the weather was nice, we'd just go out and kind of explore. We'd find a plant or a bug and, you know, just stuff like that where they just want to learn about that. We did, we grew butter, butterflies. Um, right now we're doing a ant farm that's like a gel. It's really cool. But, I mean, there's tons of, like, science projects. Um, we dissected owl pellets. Like, you can find so much stuff online, just projects to order. So we did a lot of that. And then we also did the um, the Tuttle Twins is a book set, 11 books. And they talk about anything from, like, economics, government, laws, um, all kinds of things. We did um, – we I ordered those books. We read the books, and then they kind of came with, like, worksheets and projects that you could do with them. We used those. Um, we went over the Constitution and our Bill of Rights. Um, I don't know. We just kind of did a bunch of stuff. My oldest is really interested in video making and graphic design, so she spent a lot of time doing that. My youngest wanted to learn how to write in cursive, so she taught herself how to write in cursive. I don't know. We did a ton of stuff. We, we learned a lot. <laughs> uh, what about you, Bobby? Um, you know, we learned quite a bit. My wife and I actually both do the teaching. So, like, while I'm at work, my wife would cover, like, the language arts, portion, like, reading and writing, anything, like, associated with that. And then when I would get home, I would teach her about social studies, geography, science, and math. I would – those were things where – things that were pretty easy for me in school. I always excelled at them and had a good time learning about them. So I figured, you know, why why not just go with what I know? And uh, so that was a way that we were able to split it up a little bit and it worked out. Good. Um, as far as science goes, we were doing, uh, the first book we did was like 180 Days of Science and it basically covered the three basic sciences like earth, physical, and life science. Real basic stuff, um, basic, basic concepts. And every day uh, I would just spend a little bit of time like teaching her a little bit about it and then we would spend the rest of the time like working on actual practical application of that which in kindergarten it's when I say it like that it sounds like we're doing a lot more than we're doing but overall I mean it was pretty simple and she did a really good job um she really enjoyed science like towards the second half of the year we started doing a lot of experiments and stuff where she she grew these crystals where they grew for like a week or something like that and it was actually for like a higher age group but she just went nuts they've got like these national geographic box set experiments or whatever where there's like sometimes they're just simple experiments in one sometimes you can have like four or five experiments in one or whatever and once we started finding those she just started going crazy on those the kids really nice. like hands-on learning they yeah. think that's a really great way for kids to learn 
especially when you can find something that interests them. One of my friends actually uh, had a really large education background. And before we went in, I started talking to him a little bit about it. And I was like, I just was looking for some tips. And he was like, uh, the number one thing he recommended was finding a way to teach your child and learning. So like, like if you were doing like math, for instance, let's say like, two dinosaurs plus two dinosaurs, you know, you got these triceratops and stuff like that, finding a way to relate them to different subjects. And they say that uh, if you can do that, you can get a lot more out of your kids. They really, really excel. My one daughter was really struggling with fractions this year. So we did a lot of baking and cooking because it's real life application of those things. You know, you're multiplying. I would make her pick a recipe. And then I'd be like, all right, like make that times three. And so she'd have to multiply those fractions and those measurements. And she, it kind of helped her um, get those fractions to click, you know, and, and it's something fun. You're doing something and you're learning a life skill as well. So mm -hmm. absolutely. That's probably actually an incredibly awesome way to learn how to do fractions. Because yeah. <laughs> you can kind of see it rather. It's like you just see these numbers in front of you and like on the paper, you know, but when you like actually like, Oh, I'm going to make some cookies or something like that. Yeah. There's like a yeah. good, there's a good ending, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, got a question from the, oh, do you have a question, Greg, before I go to the audience question? No, I was just going to say, teach them how to use a tape measure. The tape measure is also a good way to do fractions, you know, because you can see, like you were just saying, you can see, well, look, four quarters is one. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Jewell, or, says uh question what do you say to people who say homeschooled kids aren't properly socialized i disagree with that because my youngest daughter is super social and i think that was the thing that was making me think she would stay in public school because i thought she wouldn't want to be home i thought she'd want to be with her peers and so you know what i've come to realize is we have a lot of family and friends that we hang out with regularly so they're getting to see kids of all different age groups. I don't believe kids are only wanting to socialize with people of their own age. Um, my kids are both in a lot of ac extracurricular activities. They do dance, they play soccer, they're in Girl Scouts. So they are doing social things every week. And sometimes they're like, oh, I just want to stay home. I don't even want to go out. Like they kind of just liked being home and being able to socialize when they want to. So um, I think we did a lot of structured activities to keep them social but i even after doing that like i don't think that's necessary because they're still they're socializing when we go out and do things and when we're, we're with other people absolutely what she said uh caleb pretty much nailed it um also i would just maybe further add that realistically i would think the antisocial aspect of it is probably really falls on some parents. You know, it's really if they don't get their kids out there at a certain age to do things, that's really falls on them. Um, if they're not, for instance, uh, Sioux Falls has a really large uh, homeschooling following on uh, Facebook. There's like a group with over a hundred members or whatever, and uh, my wife follows that, and they had uh, they have events all the time. Although once COVID kind of hit, they did kind of slow down on some of the in-person stuff. But I mean, now that uh, like once it started lifting up like towards the second half of the year, they started doing a few more things. Like they got like Nerf Wars where they do them at like Sherman Park and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things. And it's really, I think it's up to the parent to put their kids into those things. And uh, I, other than that, I don't really think it's, 
I think a lot of people talk about homeschool kids as being antisocial, but don't really know about it. They just they just they just echo things that they've heard from other people. In my opinion, I agree. Yeah, you are really fortunate. Like Sioux Falls and Black Hills area, you guys have huge homeschool communities, and you there's lots of events. And I mean, we've gone to to some in like Sioux Falls area, but we don't have a lot of that here in Yankton. Um, but I do know other homeschoolers within the area, so. When it's nice, we go to the park or um, a friend and her daughter who's homeschooled in Nebraska. Like we went to the, a couple different educational spots here in town and, and we get our kids together. I've gotten together with other homeschoolers and non-homeschoolers. Most of my friends don't homeschool and have kids of all different ages. So, yeah, I mean, it is really nice that some of those bigger areas have a lot of homeschool groups. I know there's a few here in town, but there wasn't a lot of events that I heard about or knew about so yeah i imagine in a small town it's a little bit different compared to like a maybe a bigger town but at the same time it sounds like you're doing a pretty good job of doing what you need to do and your kids also seem maybe as kids get older it's a little bit easier for kids to socialize too whereas my daughter's little and she doesn't have a problem socializing but i wonder if it'll continue to grow and get better and she'll be even more social as she gets older you know this is my first child so i'm still you know, she's six, but I still feel pretty new to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jeremiah says, Kayla, how do you balance working, single mom, and homeschooling? You are a super mom. <laughs> Hi, Crystal. Um, so, yeah, I'm a single parent. Um, I, I'm very fortunate that my kids are older, so they can stay home while I work. But um, I work for myself, and so I make my own schedule. So that's really nice because I have a lot of flexibility. Um, and I've learned to just work smarter, not harder. So I, I make my schedule a certain way and I, I'm able to do more in my day instead of spreading my stuff out throughout several days. I can kind of work more in one day. And then I'm, we usually homeschool Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we do a little bit on Sunday. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll come home on my lunch break or I'll come home and at dinner time, we'll work on a little bit of homework. We don't, it's not that hard to get those core subjects in a certain amount of hours. So I guess I didn't really struggle with time management too much. Um, and there were some weeks where we were just, we had too much to do. So it's like, oh, well, well we got next week. We can add, add a week. No, we're not on a strict schedule. So um, there's a lot of flexibility in my job and also in homeschooling. So that helps. And like I said, having my kids older, it, it does help me a lot in that aspect because they're, they, they work independently. They can work on homework that we didn't get done while I'm at work. So I guess, unfortunate in that way but I definitely don't know that I could have done this when they were really little that would have been hard for me to be able to work and homeschool and be home with them um, when they were younger but it's working out for us so yeah um, do you have anything you kind of touched on this earlier Bobby you said that you do your homeschooling after you get off work um, is there anything else that to add on balancing working and homeschooling um as with anything in life, I think it's important to maintain balance. Um, as Kayla had mentioned, uh, not being on like a super strict schedule has been incredible. That's pretty awesome. You know, like if there's been a day, I work in a kitchen, but I work early morning hours and I work at a hotel. So there's definitely days where I do like a hundred people or more, you know, or lots of days, you know, I mean, we do quite a bit of business compared to what we used to. And um, some days you just get home and it's like, Man, <laughs> also, 
you can I take not have the attention span to teach math right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you just need a little bit of that. You need to maintain that healthy balance. And uh, with the nice thing about homeschooling is that it's very flexible. So I felt like there were absolutely times that I've been frustrated and stuff. But, I mean, I've, with anything in life, that can happen. So I've tried not to let that get me down too much since it was a pretty new experience. But, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm happy with the, the overall work balance. Um, I don't – I we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday – and then Friday, sometimes if there was something we had to make up, we would make it up on Friday. Uh, we also, we don't go completely year round, but we do like, um, so like after we went from August until December and we gave her like two, three weeks off. And then we went until the rest of the year and she just finished last week. And so now we're going to give her pretty much the month of June off. And then in July, we're going to start picking up on a few things to kind of start reviewing on a few things to see what she retained. And then, like, by August, we'll be back into the full swing of things because I, I don't think it's a, necessarily a bad thing to keep learning. You guys kind of have to judge what your kids want. Like, if they're enjoying learning, you know, you can always do more. And then uh, if they're maybe – if they're burnt out, you can always give them some time. So are I agree. There, are there uh, standardized testing at all that – your kids eventually have to do as part of homeschooling or so that changed with sb 177 this year so that goes into effect in july but you used to have to do state standard testing in fourth eighth and 11th grade and that is no longer required which i think is awesome because to me state standard tests are not all kids are standard you know they all learn in their own ways they all learn things differently and i don't think that that test is necessarily a good indicator of their progress or, or their learning abilities. And also like, if you listen to any of the testimony during um, the legislation with that, like the secretary or the, the department of education was like, we don't really do anything about testing anyways. So to me, I'm, I'm super glad that they did away with it. That was kind of one thing I was really nervous about um, when I started homeschooling, like, oh my gosh, what's on this test? Like I have to um, teach my kids to pass a test instead of teach them to learn. Yeah, because if it's just a bunch of random nonsense that's on the test, you know, you got yeah. to know it. Um, yeah. Uh, somebody had a question about sports, you know. Some, yeah, there like, we go. I think, I think they changed that with that bill too, didn't they? Now, they did. Yeah. They did. So now um, they, it's equal access to activities. So I'm not sure, like, if that's all grade levels or just high school, but kids are allowed to participate in – their school district's activities. I, I'm not super knowledgeable on what that all entails. That wasn't really a, a thing I was super interested in learning about yet, I guess. A lot of the activities my kids are in are not associated with the school district. Yeah. So I, I don't know all the, the logistics on that. I yeah, guess. as libertarians, I think we'd like to see uh, schools and, and sports not have anything to do with each other. Yeah. Kind of move that towards more... You know, a lot of soccer, you know, it can be done because most soccer associations. Yeah, not, with club soccer. Yeah, they're not attached to a school district or something, you know. Like, right. And so, yeah, I, especially you start getting into, like, college sports. I mean, not to go on a tangent, but here, yeah. why are we? I, I do know from just watching the, you know, other homeschoolers that I know and, like, the homeschooling groups throughout South Dakota, that was a problem for a lot of people. A lot of their kids wanted to be in activities, and they either had to be enrolled part-time or take certain classes through the public school in order to play in those sports. And I, I don't think that's fair. Like, why do they have to um, 
be enrolled in multiple types of education just to be able to play sport. And on top of that, like people want to talk about socialization. Sports are great for socialization and learning teamwork. So why would we exclude kids from that? You guys got a discount on property taxes, right? I don't own property, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, it was mo- mostly a joke because that was always I the know. Argument. I know, you still got to pay it, right? <laughs> if you're paying property taxes, then, you know, hey, why why shouldn't you be allowed to be involved? Right, you know? right. Yep, definitely. Um, what are some of the costs involved with homeschooling since we're on the subject of property taxes? <laughs> Have you found a lot of free uh, and, you know, cheap lessons and uh, curriculum, like you guys said? I know... Uh, we like Ron Paul, and I know he even has, like, a Ron Paul uh, homeschool curriculum. <laughs> yep. There are literally thousands yeah. of curriculums. Um, when I we first started, we kind of started, like I said, last summer, just trying out some different things. So we started out with an online program called Time for Learning, and that was a monthly fee. I think it was, like, $40 for both of my kids per month to do it. Both of my kids hated it, which shocked me because I figured kids on computers are going to love that, right? They didn't. Yeah. So um, the books run, the curriculum books I use, I use um, the 180 Days. I think you talked about those. I really like those because it does a lot of the work for me, <laughs> which is nice and also helps me be able to homeschool and work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I use um, the Spectrum Education books, and then mm-hmm. I also have some random ones. But those run about $20 per subject. Um, a lot of the projects we did, 10 20 bucks here or there. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to spend any money at all, actually. I mean, aside from pens and papers, there's tons of um, programs. I think um, Easy Peasy is an all-online. Um, they have printables, so you can print them or you know write them out the lessons. There's, there's so many. I could never touch on all of them. But you can go from spending a ton of money, like hundreds of dollars on online classes and books, to doing it for free. So it's really just wherever you're at. Uh, what about you, Bobby? How much, what are some of the costs of homeschooling in your experience? Uh, so specifically, ones that we experienced were we set up a whole classroom in our basement with, like, a lot of the things that you might find in like a normal kindergarten classroom, you know, like posters on the wall of like, so let's see, we have one hanging up that's like the United States or the human body or like this five senses and stuff like that. So like we spend a lot of time on Amazon, like thrifting, if you will, of trying to find the best deals because there's constantly deals on there all the time. We, uh, um, and when, uh, when the government sent all that money out, you know, like, like $500 for every kid and stuff like that, we just put all that money directly into her, like her education and just things that were going to help her and stuff. So we, like, like Kayla was saying, each one of those books can be right around $20. Um, so we went, I would say we probably spent that full $500. And then when we got that second stimulus or whatever that was, there was, uh, like six, I can't remember if it was another 500 or 600 or how it worked, but we wound up using that to buy all the books for the first grade curriculum. So, I mean, kind of, they're sending the money out anyway. We put it to good use. <laughs> I, I, I'm right with you because when we got the last stimulus, I bought all of my curriculum and materials for this next school year as well, just because, you know, it wasn't something that was normally within my budget. So, if I had the extra money, I bought 
the stuff I needed. My kids got, you know, computers so that they can write papers and stuff. Like, I definitely used a lot of that to invest in their education as well. I think that it was a really great thing to have because I was able to buy them some of the materials and things that would have normally been out of my budget. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Jeremiah comments, homeschoolers should get a voucher to use towards curriculum since your taxes are going towards a service you don't use. Um, any thoughts on that? From I don't anybody? disagree with her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about you, I Greg? Do. What do you think about that, Greg? Uh, I mean, we... I'd like to see some kind of tax break, I guess. I don't know about more of a handout, you know. I mean, you could argue that you could argue that it's not a handout, but then on the other hand, it's like, okay, but like Kayla said, if you're not paying top property taxes, then you know, I don't know. I don't know what other taxes in South Dakota go to schools. I mean, maybe there's quite a few other. I don't know. Maybe sales tax goes to partial schools. I don't know. I honestly don't. Do we know that even that the money that's supposed to go to the schools is going to the schools? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, know, I know video lottery is supposed to go to the schools, but I heard it just goes to the general fund. And uh, But how they passed it was all that money was supposed to be going, or most of it was supposed to be going to the schools. And uh, I know some of the, I don't know all the details, but I know some of the marijuana bills that passed uh, there was money for schooling and stuff, yep. you know. Um, I like the co-op idea, um, you know, how you were talking in Sioux Falls, there's some co-ops. Uh, I really like that idea because we were actually talking about that on a different episode. Um, one of our buddies' wife is a public school teacher, and so we were talking about ways to privatize and it's like, well, even as a school teacher, it's like if you had half a dozen students or whatever, you could basically have your own mini school and still be teaching, still be teaching kids and make enough money off them six kids, you know, that, you you know, it'd be a mini, mini school. Right. But. And South Dakota is nice because you can teach, <laughs> you can teach, I think, up to 22 students as a, a single teacher. Some states, only parents can educate their kids. They can't have co-ops and things like that. So, again, that comes down to your state laws, but we're pretty fortunate that that is an option here. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any criticisms of the public school system um, while your kids were there? I I was shocked at some of the things that my kids did and didn't know. Um, I was really surprised. So so my kids have kind of had a weird school experience. So they started school in South Dakota. We lived in Nebraska for a short time, and then we came back to South Dakota. And so they, um, okay, math in South Dakota, they teach Common Core. In Nebraska, they do not. So my kids learned Common Core math, and they learned old school math, and then they came back to Common Core. And they couldn't fluently do it either way. So um, that was kind of weird. I, I'm kind of teaching them old school way, but with some common core concepts that I can learn to understand myself. But um, as far as like, there were things like my um, fifth grader, she had a multiplication chart and she couldn't do basic multiplication facts without that chart. And I that, that shocked me. And so we've spent a lot of this last year just 
reviewing basic math concepts because they didn't have a firm grasp on a lot of things they should have known at their age level. And so I kind of felt like they were handed this chart and pushed through. And I don't know, it's kind of shocking to me. And I think that's happening to more than just my kids from other parents that I've talked to. Um, and then another thing, like with my youngest, you know, I said she was on an IEP for language arts and she was, she had a review right before the school shut down for COVID and she was still about like half a grade level behind. And um, I didn't do a lot with them over the summer until July. And I bought her a curriculum that was grade level, but I also bought curriculum that was the grade below. And it surprised me how quickly she excelled onto that next grade level, considering for you know the previous four years, she'd been a grade level or more behind. But I think having all of that one-on-one -on -one time and ability to have the individualized education more than just like the 45 minutes a day she was getting at school, she was able to excel and she's well beyond her grade level at this point. And that was really cool to see. So I don't know. I, I, I think they do the best they can with as many kids as they have and with the resources they have. But I don't think that works for every kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Robert? Do you have any criticisms of the public school system while your kid was in public school? Yeah, what what set you off? Uh, was she ever school? in public school, or did you start off with homeschooling right off the bat? So we started off with homeschooling because uh, okay. she just got in. But I mean, I do have criticisms of like when I was in school. You know, like obviously okay, yeah. maybe I could be a little biased, but I always felt like. Not all. I had a lot of great teachers over the years growing up, like individual teachers. But like overall, it seemed like a lot of the teachers were people that were on like a power trip, you know, and like they just like they didn't. I a lot of time. OK, sorry. Let me start over. A lot of times I knew the stuff already that my teachers were teaching me. And like any time that I ever corrected a teacher ever, like if they're wrong, they're wrong. Like, if you're a kid, it shouldn't matter that you were a kid, but, like, they'd be like, you're a kid, I'm the teacher, you know? And it's like, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You should, they shouldn't be teaching kids, you know, that it's, like, okay to be wrong all the time like that. Like, it's okay to be wrong, but, it like, if you're wrong and you're telling the kids they're wrong for correcting you, I always felt like that was a big issue. Um, I never had a problem necessarily with authority because it's just whether or not that authority was respectful. And I didn't always find that a lot of people were respectful. So I didn't feel that they deserved my respect. If you're not going to give me respect, why would I give that to you? Mm -hmm. I know I struggled in uh, school, like junior high and high school, um, probably my own fault. Not really, <laughs> not really so much the school like Robert. Robert said I was kind of used to getting a lot of trouble, didn't want to do my homework. You know, the public school, that's the other thing that maybe there's a benefit to that homeschool is, man, all that freaking homework. It's like you spend eight hours a day in a classroom, and then by then in like the last ten minutes of class, they want to assign some big hour-long project that you're expected to go home and work on. And uh, so as homeschoolers, I guess maybe that's you guys kind of get your work in. And you're done with it for the day, you know, right? I think, yeah. too, you'd be surprised how much of that eight hours is actually spent learning. A lot of that is not spent learning. And that's why, you know, we're able to condense our learning into just three, four hours a day, a couple days a week, because we're focused on that. We're not transitioning between classrooms. We're not trying to get kids 
settled down in a new environment. We're not doing all of that extra stuff. We're able to sit down, focus on what we're working on, and then maybe take a break for half a day and come back to it in the evening and work on a project. So, I mean, we're not having to sit there for eight hours. I think that was hard for my one of my daughters is she was so in that mindset of, I have to stay here for eight hours and do homework. And it's like, no, you don't, because you're not doing that in public school anyways. Um, what are some challenges that come with homeschooling? And do you have any uh, tips and tricks to overcome those challenges? Does anybody want to start? What about you, Bobby? Will you start with this one? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, as far as like any tips, I would say that you can never stop spending, you can never spend enough time trying to figure out ways that you could maybe figure out how to engage your child in learning. I also think it's in, in general, it's pretty incredible of a parent to take a, take that upon themselves to make sure that their kid is learning. Uh, for instance, when I first told some of my friends that I was gonna be homeschooling, they laughed about it. They're like saying, a lot of people thought I might ruin my kid and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think more parents should take more of an active interest. How many parents just send their kid off to public school, you know, and they see them when they come home, you know, like, oh, hey, time for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think it's an incredible way to take an active interest in your kid's life. And some people might argue that you spend too much time with them. But I mean, if you're actually, if you're able to separate the learning from being a parent, which it's, it doesn't always work that way. But you kind of have to explain to your kid, like, we're learning right now. You know, you don't just get to run around the house and, and have fun all the time. You know, like that that was probably one of the hardest things for my daughter because she was coming from being a kid that had to go no, no school. She just got to play all the time. Um, I don't know. Maybe that might not be as big of a challenge if you were to take your kid out of public school, you know, if they had already had a few years of learning and stuff. Whereas, like, I'm trying to formulate the basic skills already. So like I, I, maybe I had a few different challenges that other parents might not face or maybe other parents might face different challenges, you know? Um, as far as tips, I just say, just take an active interest, spend a lot of time learning, spend a lot of time talking to anyone that you know with an education background, you know, and talk to them about tips, things that have worked for them for kids, you know? Um, there's a lot of resources out there. Education.com was a fun one. They have got like free stuff and as well, you can like do subscription stuff. ABC Mouse is a fun little resource to keep kids engaged in learning, but it's it's not, it's more of like games and fun stuff. So like sometimes it's a way to, if you can take the, the hard part out of learning and kind of give them a, a fun way to learn as well, sometimes that's a way to kind of decompress from that stress, I think. Because I think kids also go through stress I'm not like a psychologist or anything, but you can see it sometimes like when they're getting like frustrated, like they've done this problem like four or five times and like they keep getting to that one problem and they keep messing it up. And it's like, you had it right the last time. What what happened this time? And they're like, I don't know. And they're just real upset, you know, and it's like, it's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe finding ways to calm your kid is a, a maybe some good, a good thing to learn too. Yeah. yeah, bravo to you two for uh, taking the time to, to do this. I mean, uh, it's a big commitment uh, to do it. And especially like you, Robert, uh, you know, I, with just me personally, I mean, I'd be scared that my kid's going to fall behind because they're just at that, that crucial young age. 
but that's just me, my own <laughs> insecurities. But uh, so yeah, congratulations to you for you know to doing that right away. Uh, so do the requirements? I know you guys were talking about language arts and math, and uh, but do they keep getting uh, more and more as the years go on? Like, uh, do they get harder? Any special requirements? The what only requirement. So the only requirements at all for K through 12 are language arts and math. Now, I just was um, reading something today in one of the other homeschool groups um, in South Dakota about, you know, knowing if your kids are planning on going, on, going to college, knowing what their requirements are so you can take those subjects. Um, I know specifically if they want to play college sports, they have to have certain um, courses that they have to have completed. So I guess once they get kind of past that middle school level, just kind of knowing somewhat where they want to go with their future so that you can plan accordingly. But as far as state requirements, it's math and language arts are the only one. Um, let's see, let me look at my notes here. Yeah, you guys kind of uh, answered all my questions, but we've yeah. got plenty of time. <laughs> um, are your kids smarter than their peers? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I feel like as a home, I, I feel like one of the things as a homeschooler, okay, like when you were talking about like, oh, I'd be afraid they're falling behind. Falling behind who? You kind of have to let go of those standards and those thoughts of like, oh, my kid has to be at this point at this time in their life, and they have to know this. No, they don't. They need to learn to learn. They need to. We need to learn their learning styles. We need to. I think kids learn best when they're engaged and when they're. Um, they're at that point of wanting to learn that thing because otherwise you're just forcing them to learn something. They're not interested. They don't care. They're not going to retain it. Um, so kind of letting go a lot of those feelings of I have to do this. This is the standard. This is what should be happening. You just kind of have to let all that go. You have to learn to be flexible. You cram their heads full of a bunch of dates. <laughs> con constantly throughout the day, you're like, War of 1812, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> nah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It always seemed like public education, you know, there's just a lot that's uh, kind of unnecessary uh, yeah. that, you, that you learn. Or, like, I mean, even college is kind of the same way. I, you know, I went to uh, Southeast Tech a couple years ago, and I went for a specific uh, reason uh, to become a medical coder. And to do that, you have to pass this national exam to get your certification. But anyway, that whole year of school was literally just teaching to the test. Yeah. And so what actually happened is that you get done with school and you might be able to pass this national exam. But there ain't a company on earth that's going to give you a job because you don't have any experience. And you really don't even know what you're doing. Because you yeah. just got taught how to pass that test, and you didn't actually get taught how to do the job. You know what I mean? It was like, it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation, but uh, yeah. education's definitely failing our kids, uh, even our even kind of our secondary uh, education. Uh, so I like the yeah. idea that you can really streamline your education with homeschooling. And uh, pick what, pick and choose kind of what you're really focusing your time and your efforts on. Although lang language arts, all that was my Achilles heel. I English has got to be the toughest language to learn 
<laughs> I mean, if you... Yeah. I'm still not an expert on it, you know, prepositions and pronouns and <laughs> adjectives and... <laughs> yep. There's sometimes there'll be words like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's that mean again? I need to Google it or something. I'm like, oh, what, what's a synonym? <laughs> like, crap. <laughs> like, I know what it is, but it takes me a minute yeah. to like catch up. But it, it's fun. I'm I'm relearning a lot of things. And math was never my fine subject. Like, I was never great at it. So I told all my, like, when you get to high school, I got to figure something out because there is no way I can teach you past algebra. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, algebra is definitely the top one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jeremiah made a comment I forgot to bring up earlier. Uh, as of July 1st, homeschoolers are allowed to play all sports, school activities, including band. Legislation yes. was passed this spring. So, yeah, I didn't, band is included in that sports package. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is uh, awesome. Trying to see if we got any more questions that I missed here. Um, do you have any questions left, Greg? I think I am. You guys out. think you'll? Uh, you guys think you'll continue throughout the whole time? I mean, uh, Kayla, you only got about five five years left, uh, but Robert, you I, got a lot of time left. <laughs> I have this concept that I'm just going to ask them every year if they want to continue, and as long as they want to continue. I'm going to keep doing it. I don't think my oldest will ever go back to public school because she hated it so much. Um, my youngest, I think, you know, maybe she'll want to go to high school. I don't know. If she does, she is more than welcome to. I think it's important to let them make that choice, especially as they get older. But um, as long as they want to do it, I'm going to keep doing it. We like it. So, Robert, you in it for the next 12 years? I guess if she wants to do it that long, you know, uh, as Kayla said, it's important to let them make some of those decisions. So, like, maybe addressing that every year is a good choice. My goal right now is to at least do, like, all the, the basic K through 5. At least that. Then we'll go see, like, at middle school, you know, how things are going. Um, Maybe if, like, halfway through the K through 5, you know, she decides she wants to go to regular school, we can approach that as well, too. But my goal right now is to at least do the K through 5. Um barring any unforeseen setbacks <laughs> yeah do you guys think it would be tough to go back for them i mean because like i said you know you guys are uh, kind of teaching what you want uh no standardized tests you know let's say your kids uh, a couple years from now they do want to go to public school but like do you think it'd be too hard that was a concern for me that in the future they might want to go back and so a lot of the curriculum, the core curriculum that I've picked is pretty close to the state standards. So they are learning what their peers are learning um, in those important subjects. So I, I think as far as those those core subjects, the transition shouldn't be too hard if they decided to go back, but they're still learning. They're still gaining skills. And a lot of times studies and stuff show that they're better off than some of their peers in learning areas or equivalent to them. I mean, in South Dakota alone, like our public school kids are only, you know, they're, they're standards, they're, they're no better than any other type of education. Um, you know, a lot of them are only, I think it was like 54%, um, I can't think of the word off the top of my head right now. They're, uh, 
you know, they're only at, you know, they're only at like 50% of what they should learn in some of those subjects, or they're only testing at um, comprehension, their, their comprehension of those um, lessons were pretty low. It was kind of surprising to me to look at some of those statistics. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the biggest benefit to homeschooling? For me, I like that um, my kids are being ex not being exposed to some things that maybe I don't want them to ex expose to. You know, part of that was um, uh, the experience of some of the things over the last year that was important for me, um, and also spending time with them. I think it's awesome. It's it's crucial that we know our kids, we know their learning styles. And I think, especially for my kids at their age, it's really important to be really involved in their lives and help them uh, shape their decision making and shape um, shape them into good humans for the future. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we need we need kids that are not just like always doing something just to do it or not being critical thinkers or um, just kind of following along. I think it's important to teach your kids to. But it's okay to be individual. It's okay to think differently. It's okay to expand your thinking beyond what the standard is. And for me, that's a huge benefit. Uh, Robert, what's the biggest benefit to homeschooling? I would have to say probably the overall tightening of the core of the family. It kind of keeps everyone together. There's a good chance to continue building like healthy habits and that kind of formulate a good way to process every day, you know, because you go start with school, you know, and then you do a little bit of like, let's say lunchtime, you know, and give her like some recess and stuff. And then once school's done for the day, you know, there's, we're all pretty much hanging out too, you know what I mean? So, I mean, we get to spend a lot of time together as a family. Um, I know growing up that my parents were there, but we didn't get to necessarily spend a lot of time together as a whole family, whether as my dad would be working during the day and my mom worked in restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So she was always working at night. Um, I think the biggest benefit is just being able to have both parents or nothing against single parents. I don't, sometimes it kind of comes off when someone says that I just want to, no. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, it just, I, I think uh, just overall the building of family and, you know what I mean? Like taking an interest in your child's life. If you, I spent a lot of my, from like 10 to like 17, you know, kind of just doing my own thing. I, I ran pretty wild. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that didn't necessarily <laughs> turn out the best for me on like some of my life decisions, you know? I mean, I'm obviously here and still functioning and stuff, you know, but I mean, everyone's got some of those things that maybe would have went a little bit different had life circumstances been a little bit better, you know, when they were younger. So um, I, my goal is to just keep on working at that and keep trying to tighten our family and work really hard to have a good time and make sure that everything just goes well. What about school pizza? Do you feel like your kids are missing out? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Make it a homeschool lesson. <laughs> Yeah, I actually did see a, a post one time that was supposedly how to make that exact square, you know, pizza. And was, it's I not that great. It. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, 
it's probably one of those things where we just remember it as being great, you know. But it's just <laughs> I remember some good food growing up, but as I'm sure Devin remembers, the towards the end of like our high school careers, you know, uh, there some of that food was starting to get pretty shitty. Not shitty, like they were trying to make it all healthy and stuff, and not that eating yeah. healthy is bad, but it's like they took away all the good options that you had had your whole life. Yeah, they took our fries away, and they wouldn't let you order an extra slice of the good pizza. (laughs) That was always the benefit. You got to high school, and you could finally order what you wanted. Get a soda? You weren't just stuck with their one item, you know? School lunches right now are terrible. Like, ugh. I wouldn't feed it to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michelle Obama or whatever was the one that kind of pushed through a lot of that stuff after we were – me and Devin were in high school in that, like, 2000s to mid-2000s and stuff or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, after that, like, they, she really made that push with all that super, super healthy stuff. And everyone that I talked to just said it kept getting worse too, so <laughs> – I think too, like here in Yankton, you know, like I, think, I believe only there's five elementary schools, and like, oh, I think only the high school or the middle school, one of the schools cooks, and so everything is like in these packages. So you know, you might have a bread that's soggy or like I don't know. It, I definitely like picked them up or gone at meal times, and I'm like, oh, like not not something I'd want to eat. It's crazy because when I was growing up, I grew up in a, I went to a small school and my mom was actually one of the cooks and I just, everything was homemade and made with love. And like, I used to love walking into the kitchen before I would go to school to where my mom was working. And it was just like, you could see them like prepping all the bread for the day, like homemade rolls and big things of soup. And it's like, man, kids do not get good lunches anymore. (laughs) There's big old machines that would uh, pour the milk out for you. And you could get white, you get chocolate, you know. Yeah, I, I well, you didn't have milk cartons? Yeah, we, had like these, we had these machines, almost like, almost like a pot machine. And you, you went up and you pushed the lever and it put put the milk out. I mean, we used to live across the street from a school. And like Kayla was just saying, everything was baked. Mm-hmm. And I can remember one of my favorite things was uh, they made a stromboli. And, uh, you know, the bread was... You know, rolled and freshly made. Yeah, that stuff was great. Yeah. They don't get none of that good stuff anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we've got a lot of comments about Common Core. I don't know if we want to touch on that more. We touched on that briefly. (laughs) Adam Jewell says, Common Core math is absolutely ridiculous, and this is coming from a public school supporter. Laugh out loud. Uh, Jeremiah Crystal says, Common Core is used to destroy our kids, not help them. Um, do you guys have any thoughts, deep, like, in more detailed thoughts on Common Core? Um, I personally I'm not too familiar with it myself. I, I was taught the old school way, and the Common Core was instituted away after I was gone. So I find it really hard to even learn learn or understand it myself in order to teach it so like i said a lot of the curriculum books we use will do some of those concepts and Mm -hmm. my kids will kind of walk me through it but i for the most part teach them old school way but um to me it's just a lot of extra work to get to the same answer it really makes zero sense to me Uh, what about you robert are you teaching the old school way or are you using common core um (laughs) so you know i'm honestly not 100 percent sure what the 180 days actually teach what the math is far as far as 
I just kind of have been trying to show her how I would solve the problems and she solves a lot of the problems in her head like I used to. So, I mean, I think that will work out good for her. Maybe not in the, it wouldn't work good for her in public schooling because they always want you to show your work and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, you got a really good fucking calculator between your ears, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so, I mean, Common Core is kind of weird when I look at it. I, what well, I guess what I find frustrating about it is what Kayla said. It's like all these extra steps to get to the same answer. Why do you, like, we had a great way to do math when I was growing up. It was pretty, pretty basic. I felt like, you know, and then you, you take it something like this and it just kind of complicates it. So maybe like to kids that didn't learn the way that we did, maybe it's a little bit easier. Maybe they have an easier time learning it than maybe some of us who didn't learn Common Core. But just at the the basic root of it, why does that? It doesn't make sense to work. I like to work smarter and not harder, as Kayla had said earlier yep. in the podcast. <laughs> I think that's what I live my life by. Like, why would you ever want to make your life harder if you could knowingly do something? It's not. Some people call that lazy, but I I think that's a like strategy. Like, why mm-hmm. waste? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do you guys have any final thoughts to any parents that may be listening and thinking about homeschooling their kids before we close the show out? Just think, talk to other homeschoolers, listening to other homeschoolers, um, find communities in your state. Um, there's tons of homeschool groups on social media and, and just kind of dig in and learn and kind of learn what your kids learning styles are. And, you know, when they're younger, it's, you know, you can kind of help shape that a little bit too. But I think for me, it was like, just kind of immerse yourself in it and you'll, you'll know if it's right, right for you and right for your kids. How about you, Robert? Any final thoughts? Any parents listening, thinking about homeschooling their kids? I would have to say if there's anyone out there that's thinking it's too hard, I think you're wrong. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> If you just give it a shot, you might find it's a little bit easier than you were thinking, and it might make your life a little bit easier if it works better with your schedule, you know, because with a a set schedule of public schooling, you know, I mean, there's too much in this world that is all just, like, set in stone, and everyone tries to say that it has to be this way or, or this way or the highway, you know, and it's like it doesn't have to be that way i mean we're not still driving model t's and using a cotton gin to separate cotton you know what i mean like we made advances in science and things like this for like a reason so i mean we should utilize that (laughs) yeah Yeah, it seems like whenever government gets involved with anything it's like innovation is just stifled and we never really advance you know uh so that's why it's good people you know that was the idea of 50 states was that you could do 50 different laboratories experiment figure out what works what doesn't work but common core is like the opposite of that it's just a giant standardization you know and and homeschooling's bucking that trend you know yeah you know in some ways it's kind of like back in the day how the army you know they used to measure your verbal and your spatial ability. It's almost like that's all they're really trying to see is what, what people are going to be good at when they get older. And they're just trying to force people into this box, if you will. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we appreciate you guys coming on the show and sharing your experiences with homeschooling. Um, what do you guys got to plug? What about you, Kayla? Yeah, you any, you have any, anything you want to plug? Oh, no. about you sure. robert i heard you did a podcast yeah um we i was taking a little bit of a break because i was building a pc building a new workstation and then finish, finishing up the year for the homeschooling and stuff but uh since uh since my daughter just finished up last week uh we're gonna devin's my producer actually for that as well and so we're gonna hit it up hard uh i believe sometime this week we're going to have one of my old bosses who uh, is actually a chef from Puerto Rico. He's also worked all over the United States for a variety of different jobs and stuff. Uh, he's got quite a bit of knowledge. He offers like a private chef service. So we're going to have him on this week. Um, I think uh, my little brother was asking me if he wanted to be on it, like maybe talk about life and stuff like that and about us growing up. I mean, that could be interesting. Um, my I think singer, that'd be a good episode. Yeah. My singer for uh, my band, which we're we're like a, not like an active band, but like we still like have the idea to make music and stuff. Like his uh, his other band uh, plays a lot around, so I'm gonna have him on and let him plug their band and stuff. Um, I we're gonna do a lot of episodes this summer. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, the show's called Stirring the Podcast. Uh, it's not actually a podcast. It's more of like we just record the show and then I put it up later. But I mean, that's maybe a podcast. It is exactly what a podcast is. I kind of always assumed that podcast maybe meant that it was live streamed also, and since we didn't do that, I wasn't maybe hitting all those bars. But uh, yeah, there's quite quite a few people that you know added them, and we we just figure if it sucks, it sucks. Let's just get the camera rolling, (laughs) one take, one and done. You know, if if we we like the questions too. We get yeah, questions we, from the comments if we do it live too. So that's like a plus. Yeah, yeah, I like. The Unless comments. it's Adam Jewel commenting, then it kind of it's a drag. Yeah, but then we just gotta ignore. <laughs> he always wants to fight Devin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Everyone's all right, about Paul Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that fights tonight. So, yeah, uh, I'll pay to see Devin and Adam fight though. Twenty dollars. Yeah, I can. Pay the party isn't a little that, bit. Party I, charity that, event. Isn't that Floyd Mayweather like way smaller than that guy? Yeah. He's a little guy, but he's probably gonna put him down. <laughs> God, just a, you know, I think when it I think honestly when it comes to like boxing, the, the size advantage really uh, makes a difference. So I don't know. You know, Floyd Floyd Mayweather fights at like a hundred and 45 pounds or something like uh, that. He weighed in at 155 yesterday, and, and uh, Logan Paul, who weighed in at like 185.5 or something, or 189.5. It's not too bad, but man, that's a 35 pounds. That's a big difference. It's a big difference, but Floyd Mayweather is also the greatest boxer of all the, like, the last 50 years, so he might, he should have the skill. I mean, he, Logan Paul might have the, the athleticism and stuff, but uh, he's not a real boxer. <laughs> this is about money. <laughs> He's not a real libertarian. <laughs> Some people probably argue that I'm not a real libertarian. I'm more of a, a voluntary libertarian, but we agree on most shit. <laughs> uh, hey, what was that? Uh, dude had a perfect response to that the other day. Uh, yeah, Devin asked this guy Zach. We know he's like, oh, hey, if you're if you're a real libertarian or something like that. He's like, name every libertarian. 
And uh, the guy's like, me, I'm the only real libertarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's part of his course. I like All that. Right. But I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I think we learned a lot. I didn't realize that homeschooling was as lax as that, I guess, if you would, if you would call it that. That's pretty cool. At least in South Dakota it is. I don't know yeah. necessarily the laws in other states, but, I mean, I would imagine California is probably pretty strict. Yeah, I got to imagine some places, like, the amount of government control and Nebraska is really strict. Where? Nebraska is really strict. Okay. They re- they require a lot. So, I mean, states real close to us require a lot, and I think with our new, you know, the new homeschool laws, we're a lot more lax than before. So, yeah. But, um, there are some that are even way more lax than South Dakota. So. Really. Yeah, there are some that have very very little obligation even on what you teach. So I think I feel like we're we've got a good balance of yeah. requirements and and freedom to teach how you want to teach so that's good what are some of the restrictions in nebraska or extra regulations that they i i know on? that yeah i know that one of the parents has to teach can't be taught by anybody else um the amount of hours and the types of subjects you have to teach are really strict um mm-hmm. gosh what else was there there, there was quite a few things. It was definitely a lot more than South Dakota. So. Yeah, I'm kind of a little surprised that it re- really is only uh, language, arts, and math. Yeah. It's like but no, again, like no I said, most homeschoolers no. aren't just teaching those no, no, subjects. <laughs> no. no, it's great that it gives you that flexibility. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just surprised the government, you know how they are with their own. Is it like, oh, you have to teach every single subject yeah. this much yeah. of it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, even that's what they do in high school. I mean, they want you to have, like, a semester or two of a foreign language, which, I mean, great if you want to teach your kids that, but it's kind of unnecessary, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) We're actually going to be teaching uh, our daughter Spanish starting this year. She, uh, I work in a kitchen, so I've been somewhat learning it over the years, and then, like, over the last months I've taken a more active interest in learning it uh it's still coming along but she heard me sit speaking it a few times and she really enjoyed it and she wanted to learn it so I mean um who I the people that I've talked to said that when she starts learning she's going to be better at speaking it than me in two years and I was like I'm already not that good <laughs> yeah. little kids that learn it from an early age on they they retain it and they are yeah. very fluent in it it's it's really great to teach them at a young age, so props to you for that. Absolutely. I just thought that Spanish might be a good thing for her to learn. It's like, you know, I mean, as who knows what the scape of the United States is going to look like, you know, by the time that she hits the job market and maybe right. that extra yeah. skill could be beneficial to help her earn a little bit more money. Yeah. Absolutely. I found that taking a semester of Spanish helped me understand English better, ironically, like how it works. Because <laughs> you have something to compare it to, you know, like how they order their sentences and... Well, it's because like subject and, uh, it's like subject and verb agreement are different. It's like the order of like subject and verb are like backwards. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of like male or female possessions and stuff of the word. Yeah, and I guess English is one of the few languages that doesn't have a masculine and feminine words or however yeah however they do yeah Yeah. so you get that whole experience but um yeah 
Thanks again for coming on, you guys. We've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot too. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. We might have to do another roundtable sometime. Maybe get some more homeschooled parents on at the same time. Sure. Perfect. Fun. Thanks for yeah, having thank me. Thank you, guys. Thanks for yep, coming on. See ya. Bye. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. See ya. Oh, crap. I think I'll move Greg instead of Bobby. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, do we have any libertarian news to talk about before we close the show? I can't really think of anything. It's been a slow. Oh, big news. We got Larry Sharp oh, yeah. coming on the show next Sunday. Larry so Sharp. Tune in for that. Uh, um, my dogs are kind of acting like buttholes. So I'm gonna be Larry Sharp's there. also going to be um, at Freedom Fest, Rapid City, July 21st to the 24th. Uh, you can get $100 off your ticket with the code FF21LPSD. Uh, Justin Amash can be there. Jorgensen is going to be there. Larry Sharp. Greg and I are going to be there. Libertarian Party of South Dakota is going to have four people there. Uh, Dave Smith, J.P. Spears, Tom Woods, a bunch of people. Larry Sharp. I already said that twice. <laughs> Maj tour. Larry, uh, Larry. <laughs> so yeah. That should be a good time. And then yep. uh yeah. Like this is gonna be next Sunday at seven. Are we doing seven o'clock again? Next Sunday think, we're gonna go late. No, I think seven. Seven thirty. Because no, I think seven, because I think they uh canceled the game this Sunday because it's Father's Day, I think. I'm not hundred percent. Okay. I'm not 100%, but I don't want to make Larry Sharp wait. So I think we're going to do seven. Yeah. He's East Coast time, so I don't want to make him come on at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. Good thinking, Greg. Good thinking. Always on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me get this outro video on standby. All right. Here we go. All right. See everybody next week at uh, 7 p.m. with Larry Sharp. Like I say this, like, I'm. A lot of our guests, because we always keep upping ourselves, but this is definitely the biggest guest we've ever had, um, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if Greg feels the same. Probably. Yeah, I like, I like Larry. <laughs> I like Larry. He's a really good guy. He's a really good speaker. Uh, oh yeah. He represents the party well. I think he's probably one of the one of the best people. If you could have somebody out there representing the party, he's one of the best. Oh yeah, no doubt. But all right, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a good one. Thanks for watching. Oh, wait, wait. Like our freaking Facebook page if you follow the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Don't leave YouTube. us hanging here. Yeah, you know we provide great content. You know you're watching the show and you still haven't liked, pressed that like button. Hit that like button. I'm not going to say smash the like button because that's what everybody says. Create say a couple fake it. accounts. And put, uh, like, <laughs> like the page with their accounts, too. We know you guys. We know all you libertarians out there got like five alt accounts. They're trying yeah. to get banned. So your five accounts need to like our page. Yeah. <laughs> and a final shout out to Pinkcoin. This episode and all episodes so far has been sponsored by Pinkcoin. They're great. You can check them out at pinkcoin.com. All right. See you next Sunday.